Bono was wrong. All is quiet on Election Day, at least until after dark. Voters have been to the polls in person after another election season with expanded early voting today, and we won't know the results until after this installment is produced. There's also a lot we don't know about until someone writes about it, and that is the purpose of every installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. On today's show, a COVID update from Dr. Denise Bonds of the Blue Ridge Health District. Charlottesville City Council indicates support for the Charlottesville Food Equity Initiative, but funding decisions will come in the months to come. And a brief look at commercial office space in the Charlottesville area, and a quick look at public housing. Let's begin today with two Patreon-fueled shoutouts. One person wants you to know, we keep each other safe, get vaccinated, wear a mask, wash your hands, and keep your distance. And in another one, oh, another Patreon supporter wants you to go out and read a local news story written by a local journalist, whether it be The Daily Progress, Charlottesville Tomorrow, Seville Weekly, WINA, NBC29, CBS19, or some other place I haven't mentioned. The community depends on a network of people who write about the community. Go learn about this place today. The Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission is seeking applications from private, public, and nonprofit developers for projects to increase affordable housing stock throughout the region. The TJPDC received $2 million from the entity formerly known as the Virginia Housing Development Authority for the purpose of building actual units. The first step is for applicants to submit a proof of concept. Here's a section from the press release. This proof of concept will be issued to collect key details about the proposed project, including number of proposed units to be constructed, partner development experience, and location of development. The requested proof of concept will serve as a precursor to a more detailed formal project application. The funding is part of a $40 million statewide initiative, and proposals are due on November 29th at 5 p.m., Visit the TJPDC's website to learn more about the application. Tomorrow, the City of Charlottesville will hold a site plan conference for the next public housing project to be redeveloped by the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. Plans for 39 units at 6th Street will be reviewed. The CRHA Board of Commissioners got an update on the matter at their meeting on October 25th. Brandon Collins is now the redevelopment coordinator for CRHA. Resident-led planning continues, and to update you all, in case you don't know, um, the plan is um, in this space along Monticello Avenue, uh, where the garden currently is. We're actually going to knock down six apartments on the end of the garden there to get a little extra room, um, build an apartment building. Residents had originally wanted a three-story building with 39 units, but the architects have suggested a fourth floor would be a better option. Uh, residents seem to be generally in favor of that. Um, there's a lot of process questions that we're all going to work through uh, and try to get a decision on that. The site plan conference begins at 10 a.m. on Wednesday. Lisa Green, a former planning commissioner, resigned from the CRHA Board of Commissioners on October 5th. 
No reason was given, but Green had been on the Redevelopment Committee. Council is seeking applications to fill that vacancy, as well as other open positions on boards and commissions in the city. Take a look at the list on the Charlottesville City Hall website. At the CRHA meeting on October 25th, Executive Director John Sales reported that the agency is owed tens of thousands in back rent. The U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development currently considers CRHA a troubled agency, which requires additional scrutiny from the federal agency, including increased inspections. Big item that we should always discuss is the delinquency account for tenants. We're currently at $52,000. That is probably our biggest concern when it comes to um, exiting out of trouble status. Uh, the 52,000 represents about 100 tenants. Sales said that represents about a third of public housing residents. He said there is a CRHA staff member who is working on rental assistance to help cover the backlog and to find out what the barriers are in place to people paying their rent. The Charlottesville office market had a vacancy rate of 4.9% in the second quarter of this year, according to an analysis from Cushman and Wakefield Tallheimer. That's less than the same period in 2020, but below the forecasted amount. The report states that office space remains high in demand. Here's part of the report. Absorbency in the market was down for the quarter, but that is more a reflection of large new deliveries than lack of demand and remains net positive for the past 12 months. In fact, 87% of the nearly 380,000 square feet of office space under construction is already pre-leased, and since the first quarter of 2020, there has been more space delivered than in prior decades. The report states that office rents continue to rise. The current average is $27.52 per square foot, a 55% increase over the 2015 average. Election results will come tomorrow, but here's one final piece of information before the votes are tallied. Brian Pinkston's campaign for one of two seats on Charlottesville City Council received a last-minute contribution of $3,000 on Monday from the Democratic Party of Charlottesville. No more elections until tomorrow. The number of new COVID cases reported each day continues to decline. Dr. Denise Bonds is the director of the Blue Ridge Health District. And if you look at the trend over the past couple of weeks here, month or so, uh, it's really been in the downward trajectory, uh, indicating that we may be past the worst with uh, regards to the Delta virus. Today, the Virginia Department of Health reports another 1,245 new cases, and the Blue Ridge Health District reports 41 new cases. There have been 12 deaths reported in the district since October 25th. Since Dr. Bonds last addressed counsel, Booster shots are now available for all of the three major vaccines. The Moderna booster is available for those over the age of 65 or those with some underlying condition or situation. If you got J&J as your first one, it's a little different. Anybody who got J&J as their first uh, as their vaccine for COVID is eligible as long as you're over the age of 18. Uh, and the time is different. It's two months for J&J as opposed to six months. 
Bonds said anyone who got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine can also opt to switch to the Moderna or Pfizer as a booster. Really the best person to talk to about this um, would be your physician. There are some reasons to think that mixing and matching may be beneficial. Um, you get higher antibody levels with the mRNA boosters, but there's some evidence that if you get J&J, it activates more of a different part of your immune system called T-cells. Vaccines are available at the Community Vaccination Center at the former Big Lots in Seminole Square Shopping Center. Visit the Blue Ridge Health District website to learn more. Dr. Bonds said the district will have a limited quantity of Pfizer doses for children between 5 and 11 when they are available next week. It's going to be one-third uh, the amount that uh, anyone 12 and over gets. Because there is a limited amount, the district is prioritizing shots for the most vulnerable children, working with school districts and pediatricians to identify those people and schedule shots. There will be a small amount of vaccine that is available at our community vaccination center. Um, it is by appointment only, uh, and those appointments uh, should be out and available on vaccines.gov by Friday of this week, we believe. In all, the district will get an initial distribution of 6,300 doses. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out. Code for Charlottesville is seeking volunteers with tech, data, design, and research skills to work on community service projects. Founded in September of 2019, Code for Charlottesville has worked on projects with the Legal Aid Justice Center, the Charlottesville Fire Department, and the Charlottesville Office of Human Rights. Visit codeforseville.org to learn more about those projects. Dr. Denise Bonds spoke at the Charlottesville City Council meeting last night. The meeting was overseen by the two deputy city managers in the wake of the resignation of former city manager Chip Boyles on October 12th. That meant it was up to Sam Sanders to provide responses from previous comments from the public. The first item was in regards to side street maintenance on the near the downtown mall. I, I did check in with staff in regards to who's responsible for maintaining those side streets. That is a function of Parks and Rec. Um, they have uh, been short-staffed and struggling to be able to keep up with everything that needs to be done, especially along the downtown mall is what I'm hearing at this moment. The second item dealt with a request to install a four-way stop on Rose Hill Drive at Burley Middle School, which is owned and operated by Albemarle County Public Schools. There is a speed study underway, uh, and it's in relation to the configuration that's being proposed for Walker Elementary. Um, even though it's not the same impact area, they will be able to take a look at what is happening on Rose Hill in that space. Sanders said the last study of the area around Burley dates back to 2004, and some traffic calming efforts were installed in the second half of the decade. Sanders referred people interested in the topic to the city's traffic calming handbook, as well as a petition that's required to begin the process. The main item last night was a report on the Charlottesville Food Equity Initiative. A nonprofit group called Cultivate Charlottesville has been the recipient of city funding for the past two years and seek additional monies for years to come. 
They also want 2% of the meals tax to go to a new food equity fund. Richard Morris is one of two co-executive directors. We believe that food is a human right, and we operate from that perspective that everyone, all Charlottesville residents, uh, deserve access to fresh produce and high-quality food. Morris said food equity is an outcome where all residents have access to food that meets nutritional and cultural needs. Earlier this year, Council was presented with the Food Equity Initiative Policy Platform, which seeks to serve as a strategic plan to fund a variety of initiatives, and they've sought support for funding through an online petition. Much of this work is also finding its way into the draft comprehensive plan, which Council will consider on November 15th. One challenge is that the Urban Agricultural Collective has lost or soon will lose control of land it has used for gardens. As mentioned earlier, land at the public housing site at 6th Street Southwest is slated to be used for housing. Jeanette Abi Nader is the other co-executive director. So the overall budget for the Food Justice Network has been about 400000 155000 of that was what the Food Equity Initiative contributed, and this is how it broke down. And you'll note that the majority of um, the budget goes towards staffing. Cultivate Charlottesville is seeking a multiple-year commitment, despite the fact that elected bodies in Virginia cannot appropriate money beyond the next fiscal year. The request comes outside of the budget cycle, as well as the vibrant communities process through which nonprofits apply for funding. That process used to be conducted jointly with Albemarle County. Mayor Nakaya Walker praised the report submitted with the funding request, but had concerns. If we are adding this um, as a three-year item, that the way other nonprofits have to compete um, for funding, I don't, I have some reservations there. Abi Nader said Cultivate Charlottesville did not apply for vibrant community funds in the past two years because they had been funded by council outside of that process. She explained how she thinks the current request is different. We see the Vibrant Communities Funds is really about like programs that impact the community, like direct support programs and engagement. And this program we, is seen as like a function of city, uh, support of a function of city government. Walker noticed that there have been several groups funded outside of the budget cycle and the Vibrant Community Fund, such as the Buck Squad and Peace in the Streets. I think that whole process needs to be um, reviewed. And if there's a list of community partnerships that are doing the work that the city thinks is essential that can't be done without that partnership, then that needs to be a separate list from the vibrant communities. But the way things are set up now, I don't think that it's a fair process. Councilor Lloyd Snook appeared to agree that the resolution as presented was not appropriate. Frankly, it appears to me to be an attempt to circumvent the budget process. Misty Graves, the interim director of the city's Human Services Department, said the resolution came up because the initiative was a creature of city council. So I think that's why it's coming back to city council for uh, whether or not it's a renewed commitment and if this is still a priority of city council. Next year will be the fourth year of the initiative. The $155,000 will be built into the general fund budget that will be introduced by whoever will be the city manager early next March. The vote was 3-2 to two, with Walker and Snook voting against, and the resolution does not guarantee funding for fiscal year 23. 
The other request was for 2% of the city's meals tax proceeds to go to a food equity fund. In fiscal year 2020, the city collected $12.6 million from the meals tax, which would have generated just over $250,000 for this purpose. Ami Nader said this fund would cover infrastructure to support food equity goals. And by infrastructure, I mean that informally, not like literally always physical things, but um, infrastructure supports for a city to have to move from like a foodie city to a food equity city is our overall goal. And there are things that go beyond what an individual nonprofit can do. One idea is a cooperative grocery store to be located near subsidized housing. Another would be to build a new community garden in a section of Washington Park. There's space there to site a quarter acre park. You're talking 10,000 square feet, which uh, from a growing perspective, that's a space to produce a lot of food. Councillors did not commit to that second idea at this point in the budget cycle, but there was general support for the food equity initiative. Here's Vice Mayor Cena McGill. For the record, I really support this group. What they are doing is amazing work, um, and it's greatly needed work. I know I've been learning from them for the last three years now. This is another issue that will be worth tracking well into the future. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, trying to collect as much as I can into every single one of these installments, into the future and beyond. I guess that's maybe a catchphrase? Put that on a shirt. In any case, we do not sell merchandise yet for Town Crier Productions, but one way you can help is to sign up for a subscription through Substack. It's really easy to do at $5 a month, $50 a year, or $200 a year. The company Ting will match that amount should you choose to go that way. And of course, if you do subscribe at that $200 a year, you do get a couple of extra benefits of well, which I'm happy to tell you about should you drop a line to ask why. I am Sean Tubbs, the host of this program, and I seek to bring you this information as often as possible. When the next installment will come out is a matter of whether I will get it done in time. The next few hours, election results will come in, so I might be distracted, so it might be till Thursday, but who knows. In the meantime, stay safe out there, and please send this on to somebody else so they can learn all the information and hopefully contribute and get involved in all sorts of things. In the meantime, stay safe out there and uh, stay dry, and, uh, you know, we'll see you next time.